you know, I, I was kind of a bit defensive at first because I'm thinking, oh, another thing to get into, right? And you, you kind of think, I don't have time for this. But, you know, I think you you got me into the, the I think it was one of the podcasting ones. And because of that, that actually what boosted me to, to start within two weeks because I was making, you know, all these um, excuses of, you know, getting ahead or just starting. And um, I got into a session with Rob Atkus, which I don't know if you know him. He, he's quite he's quite up there, which I had no idea. Yeah. Um, and he invited me up on stage and it was kind of like, you know, uh, the, the topic was, you know, what's stopping you from starting your podcast? So I figured, oh, what the heck, I'll jump on. Plus I was Australian, you know, I was kind of like the, the black sheep in, in the group of the conversation because everyone was American. And, you know, he pulled me up and he asked me, he's like, what's stopping you? And I said, look, to, as funny as it is, I already know the answer. It's just fear, you know, and we went yeah. through all that. And and then I was quite motivated. Plus, because I had put it out there, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to deliver. So just started, just made it happen, set the date. And because uh, I knew I was going to do it, but like, you know, knowing you're going to do it versus doing it is, you know, there's a big gap in the middle, right? So yeah. um, getting into that. Yeah. And then it's, so I haven't really done any more of the, podcasting ones but one guy out of that which is actually my recent episode justin nolan he actually reached out and he said if i ever need any help support just let me know I, i'm like who is this guy i have no idea um anyway we started chatting and then he invited me into the clubhouse and now i do at least well it's weekly episodes we do clubhouse at 1 p uh 12 p.m on wednesdays and that's basically about you know chasing big dreams and how to make them easy um and yeah we just have an hour chit chat we, we we sometimes don't have topics or anything we just we just kind of get in have chat people jump in sometimes it's just him and me uh someone else Deontay um otherwise we've had times when we've had like 40 or 50 people in there as well wow, so that's um it's it's been pretty cool uh, and we've tried to keep that consistency but you know we we've, we've had a few little conflicts in the last couple of weeks just with you know timings and things so we, we wanted to put some structure behind it and try and have some, I guess, themed uh, topics around the, um, you know, chasing big dreams because it's very broad, right? And, you know, yeah. we might have one around, you know, how to chase your dreams and make it, you know, one step at a time or we might have something theme or topical around, you know, chasing dreams in the sporting world or something like So then you can attract the different people and then they can use that as parallels to their own, you know, whatever it is they're chasing. So that, that's been really good. Um, but at start I was, I was on it so much and it was so bad because I just wanted to listen. I just wanted to get in. Um, but now it's, yeah, basically on it once a week, one hour to two hours. Um, and that's it because otherwise it's just too much. It's an extra thing. Like you said, like, oh my God, another thing to, to go and follow and be a part of and try a new app, um, as a content creator and someone that's, you know, grinding and hustling, it's enticing and it's great for networking and stuff, but how much time is there to really balance yeah. out amongst everything else? And obviously we'll get into all your endeavors and stuff. Um, you, you do a lot, actually, a lot more than us. I thought we <laughs> yeah. hustled, but I would say you're the biggest hustler, Chris. Yeah. Out of the three. Uh, well, I'm wearing a hustle jumper as well. <laughs> Very nice. Well, that was like, yeah, because we were on Clubhouse so much in the beginning yeah. and then we're just like, uh, we don't really have much time for anything yeah. else. But it's such a listening to Chris now, it's like such an untapped opportunity, especially, you know, if you want to interview people and all that kind of stuff. So I think mm. we should get back into and it's it. It's very different as well. Like I was, I didn't even host or talk on there because I found it very nervous. Like we make YouTube videos and we speak on camera a lot. Mm. Um, but a lot of it is the visual aspect and the body language to go with it. But I was like, I'm too nervous to go and speak on there because it's all voice. If they hear any hesitation or in your voice or anything, you know, there's a lack of confidence. Yeah. The person might not be talking um, sincerely about what they're talking about. So I was like, I don't know if I want to actually um, voice my thoughts on there yeah, I think yeah. It's, it's such a like it's a stripped down version so it seems yeah. a lot more personal because it's like you don't have any other distractions or anything all you can really do is focus on the voice and what they're saying yeah it's it's very different but yeah props to you if you're if you're in there at the what do they call it the stages mm. rooms 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 oh yeah yeah they're rooms or clubs they're, they're, they're clubs, what they're yeah. called clubs yeah and yeah. then you have a room within the club yeah <laughs> all right so let's rewind um tell us about your story, Chris, you, you do so much. Obviously, we've been talking back and forth for maybe six to nine months since you came in our yeah. sort of reselling hustle niche. Um, you've been doing YouTube for such a long time. Do you want to give everyone an intro into you, what you've been up to, um, who you are, what you're up to, all that yeah. good stuff? Sure. So, 
Wow, this is this is overwhelming. Um, <laughs> so I guess if, if I have to put it into a you know into a short spiel, so yeah, Chris Furlong, and as I like to say, I'm all about you know running lifestyle and everything in between. But now I've jumped into the reselling game since the start of this year, 2021. Um, but to back it up a bit, you know, I've always been someone that's liked to have you know a side hustle, a side gig, or a bit of a, a passion or something. And you know, my background is working in professional services as a, as a project manager. Um, so I've, you know, basically, you know, went to high school, went to uni, did a Bachelor of Information Technology, um, actually got a scholarship for that, which was pretty cool, which enabled us to get a couple of internships at some of the, the big four companies, um, which is how I landed my job and kind of went straight in from a grad and, you know, kind of never looked back. But, you know, going for the normal nine to five, what you kind of taught and, you know, what you think everyone should be doing, which, which was really good. I, I loved it because um, I had seen a lot of, I guess I was progressing to where I wanted to be or where I thought I wanted to be. And it was happening quickly. Um, and so, you know, working for the first three, four years, you get into that mentality of like, you know, you're, you're getting money, you're, you're in a secure job and things are going well. And, you know, you're able to buy this and you can create somewhat of a lifestyle that you're looking for. But at the same time, in the back of my mind, I always knew that I want to do something for myself. I don't know what that is. Um, and, I remember I was still working a second job for the first three years while working full time as well. I was doing that on the weekends. Oh. Um, and the reason why was because it was at a little um, place called the battery shop. It's like a little watch shop. Um, yeah. And it was the, the, the coolest job because I would literally sit in there and people would come in, drop off watches. I'll do a repair or, you know, they want to pick up some shoes or they want to, you know, just really, you know, and, or, or buy batteries. Right. And, I would literally just watch TV shows there all day or play RuneScape online or when eventually I realized I want to start a, you know, a side gig, a side hustle. So that's where I kicked off my my brand at the time, which was called Furry, um, which is now Feather Your Lifestyle. And that at the time, I always had the dream that I wanted that to be something of, you know, helping people pursue their passions. But I'm like, well, how do I start when I've got nothing to go with? And I'm like, oh, well, the quickest way is, make a t-shirt and put something on it and then sell it and people will buy it. Right. And, you know, yeah, that didn't work. Uh, I think it took, I think it took about two years or three years for someone that I didn't know to purchase something. Um, You know, there was plenty of people that I was working with and all the ambassadors and all the network and friendships that I have now have been from reaching out cold, but yeah, so that didn't really kick off the way I wanted. So I continued to work and um, then I started the running journey uh, to, for weight loss, and I, I was able to lose about 21 kilos within a year. Uh, not just from the running, but I went sugar free for basically that that good full. Well, I did it for about wow. three, four years, um, but that was to just shed it really quick. Um, I kind of just had that moment where I s- snapped or clicked. Well, it was a bit of both. I snapped at my mate. He was a personal trainer at the time, um, and he says, "Well, you know, you're doing exercise, and clearly your diet isn't right." and you know, being a good friend, hearing it from your friends, it's, it, it hits hard, but yeah. it was good also because it was a wake-up call. So I, I kind of took the pride and I'm like, okay, I'm going to prove to everyone that I can, you know, do this. Um, so I just went cold turkey, just cut out sugar um, and started running as well. And, yeah, lost the – so I, I think I maxed at 105 kilos and I, the best I got down to was like 79. And now I average around, well, depending on what time of the year it is, between 85 and 88. Uh, so yeah. now to a comfortable state and um, so I started the running and then I started to love the running and then I started the YouTube, which was about running. Um, yeah. and, and the journey with that was never in, intended to be anything big. It was kind of like I just wanted to share um, and I you know, got involved with that. But I guess, you know, there's a lot more within all that. And fast forward um, after working for seven years, I kind of real and with COVID, you know, I kind of realized, well, there's all these passions and dreams and things that I want to work for, uh, but I don't have time to do it. So I, I took a leave of absence at the start of 2021. I can take up to two years of leave of absence um, and figured, well, let's spend, you know, the 60 hours that I was working at work on myself and see what I can do. And yeah, it's going really good. That's awesome. That's such a wild journey and there's a lot to unpack there for sure. <laughs> You've been doing YouTube for like four years. We've gone and done a bit of a uh, dive on you, Chris. Like, we've we've like, uncovered some yeah. secrets about you, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, please, please tell. <laughs> no, so we, we're watching a few of your older channels and or older videos rather. And like you said, like you just started doing running videos with no intention, just purely just to, to show 
yourself running. How did that sort of start? Um, yeah. Did you were you inspired by other running channels and stuff at the time? Or do you just want to like document, I guess, your yeah. journey along the way? Yeah. To be honest, the the thing that got me doing it, and I I, th- I can't remember where I've shared this before, but I was watching. Um, you know, because I've always liked to see what other people are doing. Like, I have that curiosity. I, I like people seeing doing their passions. But I remember when they released the GoPro 5, Hero 5, and the video for that was because uh, it was at the same time they released the drone. Um, yeah. And the video for that, it just blew me away. Like, I watched it and I got the goosebumps from it. And I'm like, you know, this this could give so much opportunity or so much power to be able to just, create something and I figured well if I could buy a GoPro I'm running I love seeing what I'm seeing when I'm running so I figured I get a GoPro I can just share the same things that I'm seeing and people would probably enjoy it because you know that's what they see if I like it someone else will yeah obviously you know there's that expectation versus reality of at the time there was a stabilization in the GoPros um it was clunky it was horrible and I didn't know how to talk in front of the camera so it was um yeah, a big, big slap in the face kind of thing because I'm like, crap, I have to now figure out how to be confident. And I used to just make videos of, of me running and I'm like, this running. is boring as heck uh, because, and I wasn't watching other running YouTubers. Like, uh, you know, I naturally started to because I wanted to grow in that community. But uh, yeah, I had no, I, same thing. I went cold turkey. I just wanted to start and share and, you know, try and get as many people as possible to be watching it, which was friends and family and you know they saw enough of that on instagram or me talking about running so yeah it wasn't what i thought it would be but hey you got to start yeah and it's interesting to like go back through a lot of your videos and see the ups and downs of your channel you've been like four years is crazy i thought we were doing our stuff a long time (laughs) like two years and like the output of your like the amount of videos you've done is insane so it's so cool everyone should go and follow chris's youtube channel and all these other endeavors he's further your lifestyle podcast but there's so much running content on there there's shoe reviews everything like that it seems like once you started to do the marathon training videos and like the weekly updates leading up to the melbourne marathon that's where your channel sort of took a bit more of a yeah uh, a growth spurt it, yeah, yeah the, the the viewership and stuff was way more consistent um how was that whole experience in terms of leading up to you was it your first marathon no, so the one last year was my second, but yep. you're right. When, when I started doing training series, whether it was for my first half and then I did my first marathon, they they really did bring in a lot more, obviously running community. Um, and I was probably doing that with around, you know, sh- it was less than 500 subs. It was around 300. But last year when I did my half, I mean, my marathon training plan, which at the time I was going to go for a PR or a PB, um, not knowing that COVID was coming, of course. Um, and I wanted to really kind of up it, you know, learning from what I had been doing in the past from my own, you know, documentation. I figured I want to share it a bit different. I figured I'd use the Nike app and take people through that and give them that real point of view perspective. And from doing that, you know, from the ref- reflecting on the times, you know, previously, I realized that I was coming more out of my shell because I wasn't just talking about running conduct, even though I was doing the running you know, the, it was a vlog style. I was also talking about, you know, me venting about my work week or me venting about life or, you know, just books I was listening to. And that series became more than just running. And that's how I actually managed to get a broader community because all of a sudden I had people watching it that weren't runners and people that are really good friends now because they just loved what I was sharing or giving my advice on, you know, because I was kind of like embedding like book reviews into those. I was embedding, you know, just random stuff, but I was just saying as raw as possible, being 100% transparent. And that's, I think, what changed because I became a lot more self-aware and I wasn't just showing the highlights of my running journey, but, you know, the the sheer, you know, blood, sweat and tears. And, yeah, I had a lot of people reach out for that. And that it was quite overwhelming because I, I, I didn't go into it with the intent to say, hey, look at me. I kind of was doing it for myself, but also just speaking straight to the camera because, Every time I run, I film, but I never actually shared half that stuff. So like yeah. I'll share one video a week and that would be like on my favorite run or whatever the topic was. But I, every time I'm out, I'm filming and that footage just gets gets into my hard drive. So I figured, well, I may start compiling that all up together and make it into those those marathon videos, which turned out to be a back backyard marathon because of COVID. 
um, which then build a bit more suspense because all of a sudden there's all this pressure. Now I have to deliver. And um, But those videos went from the week one of that training plan was, I think it was about 18 minutes. And then by the end, I was having the videos that worked out to be about, I think my longest was one hour and 26 minutes. Um, and that's when I started to invest in using the chapters and timestamps as well. But yeah, so it's it's been a it's been an overwhelming journey, just, you know, hacking it out and grinding. But it wasn't until I, yeah, something extra clicked um, and I was able to to step it up further. And then obviously this year um, with the reselling, it's changed even more. Yeah, it must have been a, a massive eye-opener and even like a confidence booster that compared to your previous running vlogs where, you, like you said, you didn't really talk much. It was just purely you giving mile updates compared to the ones where you were talking, being more vulnerable with the viewership and stuff, that's where it started to take off. So yeah, how did that feel getting, would you get more confident in that regard, just opening up and being, yeah. talking about more of yourself, sharing more of your personal story, as opposed to just giving like running updates? Yeah, I, I think the moment I realized that, um, I mean, look, I'm not to say that I, I, I don't, you know, don't get scared or, you know, that I'm nervous in front of the camera or whatever, yeah. but I think the moment that clicked for me was I did, I think I was about probably six, seven weeks into the backyard marathon training plan. And I, I did a, I think it was just a half marathon in, in, as one of the training runs and I finished it and I, I broke into tears and it was at that moment. I'm like, okay, so do I either put this on or do I not? And the tears were just because I was just so proud of myself of getting it done. And that was when we were in the one hour lockdown limit. So I was doing, you know, half of it outside and then, you know, a lot of it just so outside of my property. And then I was just yeah. doing repeats in the driveway. And yeah, so I broke down into tears and I'm like, stuff it, I got to put it in because otherwise I'm not, everything I'm talking about of trying to share the journey and being transparent and be authentic. If I don't put that in, that's, that's throwing the whole thing out the window. So after doing that, you know, even though a lot of people didn't see it, you know, and I would know who was watching my content because obviously <laughs> unless you saw it, people aren't going to say anything. Um, where I had a few people reach out, but you know, it was at that moment I'm like, okay, this is this is what I love doing, and I love, and I it kind of boosted me, and I wasn't really caring so much about the watch time because, you know, I was probably only getting like seven to fifteen minutes of people watching those hour videos, but that was higher than any of my other content anyway. So I can't expect people to sit around and watch an hour video of me running. Because, you know, I mean, that, it's not that exciting. But, you know, they could find pockets po pockets of things that was more relevant to them, whether it is the running, whether it was me talking about other creators, whether it was me talking about, you know, crying, why am I crying or, you know, whatever it may be. And, yeah, that that really did give me the, the confidence boost to kind of just jump into it. And then with everything that was going on, I was building up even more confidence because we we're in lockdown. So the only people I could talk to was the YouTube fans. So every time I was talking to the camera, I was talking to them as if like I was catching up yeah. for whoever was listening. And I knew that, you know, there was always the 10, 15 folks that I could guarantee were going to comment and share and, you know, chat to. So yeah, no, that, that was a big game changer. Yeah. That's something amazing that the YouTube community and like the live community has been able to do is just like open it up to everybody. So whether, yeah, like yourself who is in lockdown um, or everybody who's in lockdown across the world, all you have to do is turn on your computer, turn on your camera yeah. and connect. just get to chat to somebody and connect to someone. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, whether you're having a good day or a bad day, the fact that you can share it with someone, it's amazing. Yeah. it's It's been a game changer. Like I've got really really good friends from it now like my next episode coming out this week uh for the podcast is with kevin exconde and he's probably like I, I would say he's one of my best friends now because we just we, we we chat you know once every couple of weeks and just hang out and he does a live stream and a hang out there but it's like we've known each other our entire lives but we've only known each other for probably a year now um and it's just because we clicked and he doesn't run or anything like that it was just yeah we just hit it off so and there's so many more friends like that. So it's been, it was crucial for the mental health. It really was. So you mentioned your podcast. It is called Further Your Lifestyle. It was initially sort of a, an outlet from your furry brand, correct? Yeah. So, so furry, which is actually my nickname. My full name is, you know, Chris Furlong. I was going to ask what that man was like. Uh, play on words. Yeah. yeah I used that? to get called some interesting things with, with my nickname and furry was one of them. Um, and it has no 
relevance to anything, right? Um, so I just, I just when I started, I'm like, I just got to find something, and I kind of sketched up the original wording, um, and that's what I went with. And but I always had the tagline as "Further Your Lifestyle," and now I'm just in the transition of making furry disappear naturally and just mm-hmm. going with "Further Your Lifestyle" because I mean that that speaks for itself, and you know, is a lot more bold than furry. Plus. If you type in furry in the wrong way on the internet, you get some interesting <laughs> stuff. So I wanted to move yeah, away from imagine. that as quickly as possible, which I didn't know at the time. Um, but you learn these things. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's one of those like classic Aussie sort of, you know, they all shorten your last name. So like, yeah, yeah my last so. name's like Hingston and it's like Hingo. You're like, it's just, it's just classic. People will shorten it no matter what. <laughs> Yeah, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to write it as if furry, like F U R R Y, because I'm like that was even worse. I'm like, yeah. I have to write it in a unique way so that it will show up differently. And but then a lot of people didn't know how to pronounce it. People thought it was fury, um, or fury, or and uh, anyway. So long story short, I, I kind of went away from that. Um, which the brand for context was all about, yeah, helping people pursue their passions, right and that was working with individuals that have a lifestyle that spoke quite loud from, you know, visually um, and then tagging up with them or teaming up with them and, you know, sending them some apparel, which promoted that lifestyle or represented that lifestyle to, you know, influence other people to either go check them out, see what they're doing, maybe buy the merch, um, but also to follow what they're doing, um, which, which it did. It worked really well, but it's, you know, with anything, it takes time to really get that into a position of where you want it to be. And I realized that wasn't about money. Whereas well, now I realize, you know, if I didn't try and focus on the money, it probably would have went better, but I was trying to build, you know, an income, a side income mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> to know that I wanted to get out of working nine to five, but it's not that simple. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a bit late to never realize that and revert it and sort of recalibrate what your intentions are with that brand and stuff like that. Are there any future endeavors from the podcast is it is it, are you still trying to look for that brand aspect and i don't know have a website and oh stuff yeah like that yep yeah so you know look to be honest originally what i'm doing now with the brand is what i had always thought of what i wanted the brand to be like working with a community having conversations but i'm like well how do i start if i don't have a community and you know the, i here i am trying to sell stuff like clothing but really, if I had built a community first, well, then then it's going to naturally grow and then you'll have people willing to purchase things because you have the community. Um, so leveraging that now, the brand that I already have, because the brand hasn't changed, you know, it still stands for the same values and promoting everything. But it, now I'm actually just not working a nine to five and proving it that, you know, I'm actually walking the talk as well. And the intent is to kind of yeah do it, backflip it or do a 180 and build a community out and then there's some other avenues that I'll be growing um, and that 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 will be coming in the next, hopefully in the next four weeks, some of that will start to release, um, you know, the changes of that. And then also there's, yeah, there's some bigger dreams there that I'm working on, but I have to just remember to tread the path the way it is like and not try and force things because, you know, having a podcast, we all, we all know that it's, you're not going to be monetized from day one. Um, and I want to make sure that I'm staying focused on the podcast and building the podcast for what it is, regardless if there's money or not, because then I know that I'm doing it for the right reasons. Um, and then building some things along the way and building that community along the way. And then I can start to yeah expand some, some different things that I've always had ideas for, but at least I'll have a bit more grit behind me or a bit more, I guess, authority behind me to be able to do that. Yeah. yeah, we're very much in the same boat of like how mm. we want to approach our own podcast and yeah. our own channel and all that kind of thing. Mm. And yeah, we're not going to get money for this anytime soon. So it's like, how can we not only enjoy the process, but how can we help it grow? And then eventually, you know, in a couple of years time, how can we then take that another step further? But also yeah. Yeah. making sure that we're, yeah, like yourself, keeping to our core values and sticking to the things that we actually yeah. want to do. I think Chris ascribes to the same for like social media philosophy, I guess you would call it, in terms of just building out your true 1,000 fans. Yeah. And you can offshoot them into any future avenues uh, if they're interested to follow you there. But it's about building that core foundation about not necessarily around the niche. I would say building it around yourself and the personal brand, which, again, we have a very similar 
yeah. philosophy and concept in that regard. And then you have your different, um, I consider them products where the brand and then you have your product offshoot. So for example, this podcast is yep. a product of our overall brand. But uh, the thing I love about Chris and I love why, why I love connecting with Chris and his channel and content is just the openness and vulnerability, um, not afraid to be real about things. Like, like you said, you've been in marathons, you break down and cry, there's emotional moments. You share that all on your YouTube channel. Um, you're open about your goals and like where you want to take things. You don't want to, you're not hiding away from what you're really chasing. And that's what I really love about mm. you and your channel and what I think a lot of people are drawn to your channel to. Yeah. Is there any, any, is that a conscious thing or is that something you've always, you've been an open guy with your friends and family and stuff like that? Um, look, it's, it's probably a bit of both. Um, you know, like if I, if I reflect back when it came to chasing my goal of losing weight, you know, I didn't have a goal of where I wanted to be. I just wanted to, you know, kind of when I went cold turkey, I didn't tell anyone. I just kind of started doing it and then forced it to happen. So I was probably more of, so in the past, like I even had a, I had a blog that I blogged three years in a row every single day. Wow. And, you know, that, that it's, it's interesting because I wasn't doing that, telling people I'm going to do this every single day. But I set that goal to myself, but didn't tell anyone and just put the reps in and then proved it. And then I did one year, got to two years, and then I got to third year and I was kind of, you know, starting to question what am I doing this for? And I realized I was now just doing it because I was doing it and I had to keep doing it to prove that I can do it. And there was no real mission behind it. Like it just became, you know, for wrong reasons. So, but then going into something as bold as, yeah, so I've always shared things, but going into as bold as something was taking a chance on me, there was a whole bunch of things that I wanted to do. And when evaluating it, I'm thinking, well, people need to know how to, the reality of this, because I'm going into it with no understanding of what to expect. There's obviously things that I want, where I want to be or what I want, but it would be nice to be able to show people that journey point of view, kind of like the, the running stuff as well, which is why I kind of, I've always had goals and I've always tracked things to somewhat levels, but I figured, well, then it could be a cool way to be able to bring in an audience to ask questions and keep it real. Um, and it, it's been a, it's been a challenge sharing some things because, you know, I, I don't want to come across as look at me, look at me. And that's why I've tried to make sure that I'm being very open about it without saying, you know, this is all the stuff that I've done, but then don't say anything, you know, like it's, it, I don't want to become one of those, you know, classic cliches of a, you know, an e-commerce store that's, you know, I've done, you know, 5 million sales and, you know, you see the stupid, you know, adverts yeah. on Instagram and yeah, it drives yeah. you insane. And that's, I'm not there to to do that, but I am there to show that, you know, this week was my best week, but this week was also my worst week or, you know, it's been my best month or last month was my worst, you know, to show that journey. And then with all the running and then with the, you know, the shares and then with everything else that I'm trying to achieve and be very, you know, detailed of why, like the video game one has actually become one of the biggest questions. Like, why do you have a goal for video games? And I'm like, well, you know, because I, I don't play it enough. Like, and it takes me away from all the Russian, you know, hustle and it slows me down and it means I take a break and it's good for my mental health in that sense, because otherwise I'm always trying to compete with myself or compete with others or, you know, there's always something you can be doing. So if I play a game, it kind of just calms me down a bit. Yeah, it is interesting that you've scheduled in or have a goal of playing three video games. You don't hear many people um, having that as a goal, but obviously with all the avenues and endeavors you're doing, you do need to, you don't have to necessarily schedule it in, but being conscious of like, I should take more time to myself, find an outlet yeah. to turn off completely. So let's rewind to you doing your, took a chance on yourself at the start of the year. Yeah. Uh, essentially giving yourself more tasks to do, which is sort of why you need to, the gaming avenue to yeah. as an outlet. What was it like, I guess, I'm more interested to hear about the lead up to that decision and mm -hmm. a few months leading up to it as opposed to um, the decision and the you know taking action after the fact of doing that video. What was like the six months leading up to it like? How long had you considered sort of using reselling to supplement your main job mm -hmm. and you know, attack all your endeavors. What was there a catalyst moment or was it like, talk us through that? Yeah. So it, it would actually be about a year from a year back from now. Like it was right. June when we were kind of going back into lockdown. Um, I mean, we, here in Melbourne, we, we had lockdown pretty bad. Worst case was curfew and one hour outside of home. Um, and we did that for about two, three months. And then it 
then it kind of really you know dropped down and it was a bit better and it was in that moment when i'm working nothing wrong with my job my job's really really good um pays well great great company so many perks but you know working in your room <laughs> um not being able to separate work from life and and play and all that jazz you know i i started to realize well clearly i'm not doing this for the money because your paycheck comes in can't do anything with it anyway now that was circumstantial because of covid mm. but I wasn't, I realized I wasn't motivated for the money. Whereas in the past I was, I was, and, you know, I could see the progression and getting it. Um, now for, for full transparency, you know, I'd been with the company and I still am with the company cause I'm on a leave of absence, but you know, I was seven years into my journey with the company as a manager. So, you know, there was a lot more, it's not like I was just an analyst, you know, just showing up doing nine to five. Um, you know, that I was, had my own team. There's people I was accountable for, you know, money that I was responsible for. There was, there was a lot of pressure and, you know, expectation there. And it was only going to get more as I continued to grow. So I started to weigh up like, you know, there has to be more to life than this. Just seeing what everyone else was doing. And I always found myself, you know, drifting and daydreaming into other things of what I would rather be doing. And that's when I started to think more on it. And it took me three months from June to September to really even have a deeper conversation with my boss about it. Um, and then it was kind of like, a month after that, I kind of just said, no, nah, stuff it. This is it. I'm done. Um, and he, he actually took it pretty well. He, he said, yeah, I get it. Um, he gave me some good advice and, you know, I told him what I wanted to do. And he said, yeah, go for it. Um, yeah, and it wasn't what I expected. So yeah. that, that was really, really well received. <laughs> um, That's amazing. That is so good that yeah. they were so supportive yeah. of you and what you wanted to do. It, it, is it, it something? It, yeah. No, go, go. Is it something that I've dealt with before with other employees and stuff? Because that's pretty yes. unusual to take a leave of absent. Obviously, I I've, haven't heard of it that much yeah. before, realistically. So, I mean, the, the company provides that, um, you know, that we can take a leave of absence. And, you know, he, he sorry, it wasn't as simple as that. He was kind of like, well, you know, obviously you need to change and take some time. Um, don't do anything stupid and just quit. You know, think about what the options are. And, you know, he took his advice and, you know, he, he was, he's, you know, um, a managing director in the company. And he, he said to me, he's been around the block, you know, he'd worked for three other companies, worked for himself. He'd been a contractor. So, you know, he, he'd been around the block and obviously a lot older than me, he's got wife and kids. And so, you know, he said, you know, think about this. This is, you know, if I was able to do something like that, you know, I would do it too. And, you know, you're at that age where what's the worst that can happen. You know, if you fail, just come back to work, you know, kind of thing so no shame, no shame, it's not yeah. like i you know i have to look after kids you know I, I don't necessarily have a huge um expensive lifestyle or you know things that i have to manage um you know the only risk was you know some um rental properties and things like that but you know we we talked about and he was 100 supportive so with that in mind i was like cool so i used october to december other than handover, which was quite stressful because we were still growing in our in our client and things like that. So it was a crazy three months. It was horrible, to be honest. But, you know, all for the right. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't wrong. It was just everything was happening, right? There was so much stress because of COVID and trying to, you know, grow and all that jazz. So it took me three months to kind of figure out, well, what am I actually going to do? Which I knew the one thing is the, the, the podcast. Feather Your Lifestyle podcast has to be the priority. Um, because that's my chance to do it. I've had this microphone that I'm talking into for two and a half years and it took me two and a half years to get it out and do anything with it. So that was the number one goal. But then I'm thinking, hang on, I need to be able to have some income because I had actually about, I had about paid leave all the way up until mid-May because that's how much I had accumulated. Um, and I'm thinking, well, I'll leverage that. But then after that, I'm still going to have to have some money coming in because you know, I want to maximize this as much as possible, assuming that I wanted to continue after using up that leave, which I have. And so I'm like, what's the quickest way for me to make money? It's not obviously selling clothing because that hasn't worked. Um, so, you know, and I'm thinking, well, the YouTube isn't monetized either. So I kind of just fell back onto, which this is one of those things where I, I regret not taking action on sooner is I've always done reselling. Like it's just... Not not really, you know, religiously, but just <clears throat> casually, you know, I'll go out on the weekends for my mate um, who I used to mentor. Now he's a good mate. 
Um, and we'll go out and we'll just pick up things. And I said, oh yeah, I could sell that for 50 bucks. I'll get it for $2, but I never sold it. Like I kind of just hoarded it every so often. I'll put 10 items up and then, you know, get 500 bucks. And I originally use it to like purchase a switch or buy an Xbox or whatever, just, yeah. you know, a bit of, bit of play money. Plus I loved the thrill of it. So that naturally was the first thing I, you know, jumped onto, but, you know, before COVID hit, I kid you not, I was going to create a series of, um, I sold, you know, I sold items on eBay for 30 days. This is the result, <clears throat> but I couldn't do it because things changed and I wasn't able to go out and yeah, I, I, you know, it was kind of something that I just didn't think about. Like I remember writing it down. I actually filmed the intro for it as well. I remember cleaning my room and, you know, sitting in front of my laptop, making that nice B roll of me selling on eBay. Um, and that was the challenge I was going to do. And obviously it never happened. And I'm thinking, you know, I look back a year later, well, I look back now, which is now a year later, and where people are that started probably at the same time and how far they got with it, right? Which just blew my mind. Like, you know, you think of like the Aussie flipper, right? Same thing, you know, he kind of just started. And so what I did from October to December was I binge watched everyone, like you guys, two Aussie thrifters, Diver Flipper, um, the Aussie flipper, and heaps of other folks as well. And just, you know, kind of worked out what everyone was doing, learned, you know, success leaves clues and find out what everyone's doing and how can I jump in and do this with some level of smartness. Um, and I used October to December to just get some processes in place. I was, we were still able to go out at that time. So I was just buying stuff and just, you know, seeing what it would like, but I haven't really used that as those numbers for this year. They were just the trial months. Um, and yeah, then I started to put some of the feelers out, made some videos. And then, um, that's when I realized, yeah, okay. I, I embedded myself into the community and I got good response. So I figured, well, then come Jan 11th, 2021, I could go all in and I didn't have to start from scratch. Yeah. Um, which, you know, my advice to anyone, anyone doing anything in terms of starting something on the side, you start it on the side first, right? Don't <laughs> just drop everything and then expect everything's <laughs> going to work because, you know, my unfair advantage was I have a background of project management. I know how to run, not necessarily business, but a project. So, you know, whether it's the dollars, whether it's the people, whether it's the risk, so I can leverage that. And I'd already done a bit of reselling. So I know what, what, what I can jump straight into and I know how to make YouTube videos as well. So I, I kind of had, the little package of things that I was able to leverage and maybe get ahead of someone starting from cold. Um, and that's, that's why I did. I, if you'd asked me in June, how would I make money? You know, June last year, I, I would have no idea. And that was only kind of just as I put more time into it, knowing that something has to change, that would be my, my best bet. Yeah. It sounds like you've just made yourself a really, really solid foundation mm. and you only can just go up from here. Like you've, you know, <laughs> built your house brick by brick just to get it super, super solid. Um, and you're ready, roaring to go. And we can see that happening for you. Like it's, yeah, so excited to what you're going to do next. It's I amazing. Know, I know you're a very <laughs> analytical guy. Obviously, anyone that watches your YouTube channel is going to see your extremely extravagant uh, <laughs> spreadsheet, dashboard spreadsheet. Um, how, I guess the question would be how, how are things tracking compared to what your expectations were um, going back to January 11, you've been, it's almost, it's five and a half, almost six months now. Yeah. So we're, we're 149 days in. Um, it's look, look, I, I set a goal for myself for, for this year to do a hundred thousand dollars in revenue. Now I did that to somewhat put it out there to, to push myself. Um, but also to give me an, I guess a reality check of how, easy but how hard things are as well um because you know when i did you know when i did like thousand dollars in one week i was like okay this is good but then when you crunch the numbers you got to do like you know 274 dollars per day every day for 365 days to get a hundred thousand dollars which that's that's scary as heck and i'm nowhere near that like i i know that i'm already i'm already today's the 9th of june and i'm looking at my dashboard i'm meant to be on seventeen thousand three hundred dollars to be on track and i'm only on fourteen thousand four hundred so I'm way behind, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm better than what I expected because at the end of the day, I didn't know what to expect. All I knew that I wanted to be able to make some money and I wanted to be able to build the podcast. So I built the podcast, the podcast is going really well and I'm making money. So the 100,000 is kind of like just that, that challenge and to show the reality of, well, how well can you do it? Now, if I wasn't doing the podcast, if I wasn't doing YouTube and I was just focusing 100% on reselling, probably could do it. Um, but now the challenge is, well, how do I see if I can up my game 
with everything that I'm learning and, you know, whether it's, you know, outsourcing or bringing someone else on and looking at it from that perspective. But at the end of the day, a hundred grand, I mean, it's, it's not really, it's not like I have to be earning a hundred thousand plus yeah. that's not profit either. That's just revenue. It's just something to kind of bring in attention, bring in people to see what I'm doing and then I can be transparent with it. And if I fail, I fail. If I beat it, I beat it. Um, that's, that's really, so it's funny you asked the question about, you know, how am I feeling about all this? Because you know, literally yesterday I, I posted, well, actually it was at the start of the week that, you know, I'm not where I want to be, like broadly with everything that I'm doing, but I'm further than I expected because I didn't know what to expect. So it's a bit of both. You know, it's always that catch of like, you know, sometimes we get so focused on where we want to be, we don't take the time to smell the roses and pat yourself on the back. And that's why I use the dashboard to kind of keep myself honest and in perspective that, okay, no, 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 things are going good. And I can't complain. And that's the other thing that I like to appreciate is no one else is controlling this. Everything I do, it's all on me. So if I don't get what I want, I can't blame it on anyone else. Like there's no one else is telling me what to do or they can't say told you so because I'm the only one controlling it. So it it puts it into that perspective really, really well. Yeah. How do you, it sounds like you're very goal oriented. You, you set a goal for $100,000 revenue. You set a goal to journal every day. You set a goal to document your whole marathon training journey, for example. Have you always been a goal, like a goal setter? Like we set goals and stuff, but sometimes it's not the easiest to stick to them. Like yeah. what do you think sets you apart from maintaining your focus and staying on path to like your goals? Or yeah. Have, like a lot of like unscheduled pivoting that you just got to like yeah. change and I guess overcome yeah. like things that pop up all the time it's probably a bit of both like if I reflect back to when I was you know younger like I was homeschooled for four years um so that that probably gave me a benefit of knowing how to be studious by myself and I've always been I've always been someone that's like to keep to kept to myself like I'm not like a out there really well I am now but you know I'm not naturally I've always been the one you know I'd rather be at home by myself I'm happy to not go out on a Friday night and party that's not me so I've always stuck to myself, which I guess in that sense, I'm capable of just doing my things that I want to do. But if I reflect back to, you know, going through uni, um, you know, I, I wanted to get, my goal was I wanted to get into uni, get a job and just start straight away. I didn't want to take a gap year. I just kind of wanted to go, go, go. And, you know, I got a scholarship, which obviously is really, really good, but it's also something that I had to achieve certain go- you know, grades to, to keep getting the scholarship. Um, you know, which gives you some level of a, you know, push, push, push. So that drove me. And then when it came to starting working, you know, I said to myself, well, I'm going to give myself um, five years first and see what happens. And no matter what happens, I wanted to push it out because I figured it would set me up with some level of good foundational, you know, dollars and savings. And then I can kind of reassess where things are. And I got promoted to where I wanted to be before that five-year mark. Um, so that was that was nice. And then I'm like, oh, well, I'll checkpoint again. And then COVID happened and that's the pivoting side of where I'm like, no, nah, I realise this isn't the case. But on the same perspective, in parallel, I mean, sorry, is when I started working, I kid you not, I remember work, walking into the office and we have this thing called the bench that when you're not on a project, you kind of just, you know, you do admin and wait till you get picked up by a client. And I remember walking into there and I was listening to two podcasts. One was the Solopreneur Hour and the other one was SPI, which was from Pat Flynn. And they had all, they had both started their podcast journey like that year or the year prior. And because they've been doing it for about seven, eight years now. And it was like their first episodes and then talking about building their own business, you know, doing their own thing. So I knew even though I was going to work full time, I want to create something on the side. I just didn't know what that is. And I've had numerous different businesses to do that. So I've always had those goals embedded behind me. They maybe just weren't as detailed now because that it didn't have to be. They just kind of like was a North Star. So when I'm making decisions on a yearly, you know, monthly or if daily, and it was going to direct me that way, then I knew where I wanted to go, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you think... You're, like, how, why do you think you got your interest to like look outside of your nine to five job? Or your parents um, did they have side hustles, for example, and you've seen, uh, or you've seen others perhaps 
un, what's it, let's say unbeaten path. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the unpopular path, I don't know, the, the different yeah. path. Um, yeah, look, I mean, I was the first one in our direct family to go to university. Um, so it, 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 yeah, look, I mean, I'm trying to, on the spot, I'm trying to really think what's kind of been the difference. But I think it's, I don't know. I honestly don't know what has driven me. I, I think it's probably just my own self-curiosity, maybe. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, my, my dad has worked for himself and he, he buys and sells stuff, not not on the level that I do, but more from a car's mechanics perspective. So, you know, probably seeing that has had some level of, um, so he doesn't work. He, he was in a car accident um, about, uh, must be about 31 years ago. So he he stuffed his back after a couple of operations. And so he's always worked for himself since then. And when I say work for himself, you know, just buying and selling and, and things like that. So, you know, seeing that, that's probably maybe one thing that's enabled me to think outside of the box. But when it comes to, you know, like dealing with money or thinking where I want to be, I've always been driven to do that myself. Um, you know, my parents taught me, you know, money and how to deal with it and things like that. But I'd have to say it probably is just self-curiosity and seeing what other people are doing and realizing there's, there's more to it. Um, I mean, even if you ask me, why was I blogging for, you know, in a row, I was, to be honest, starting that I wanted to, once again, it came back to, I wanted to create something. And I figured if I can keep blogging, I might be able to motivate other people, encourage other people um, and create something from that. But that was before, it was a really big thing. I didn't know how to monetize it, any of that. I was kind of doing it for the right reasons, actually. Um, and then probably when I wanted it to be for money, that's when I lost the interest in it because I wasn't getting the result I wanted. Um, so, yeah, it's, look, I've always wanted to, if I said it out loud, yeah, you, you joke about I want to retire early. I always mm -hmm. had the idea that I'd work 10 years really, really hard, and then, you know, kind of just figure out a way to not have to work anymore, which is what everyone wants, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, with that said, one thing I don't really talk about on, on my stream is I do have uh, two investment properties with my brother, um, which, you know, I got quite early, which was something which, um, you know, was something I didn't think I was going to do, but I wanted to own my house by, originally by 25. That, that was a goal. Um, I didn't own a house, but I had two rental properties. So I guess that's better than nothing. Um, so, you know, looking at it from that perspective, you know, there's ambitious goals of wanting to be a millionaire by 30 and things like that, uh, you know, which it's, it can be overwhelming because you say these things as a kid, but then you kind of put that pressure on yourself, but no one else put that pressure on me. That was, that was entirely me. Uh, so I guess maybe that has also what's motivated me because I've said these things, and, you know, I want to make sure I can deliver on them to myself. Yeah. So you've taken the sabbatical. Do you think everyone wants to retire early? It's yeah. obviously always the dream. You've got to <laughs> you hustle and grind to get there. You do. do you think taking the sabbatical and taking this <clears throat> alternative route to focus more on your channel, just being yourself and producing different types of content, whether it be podcast or Instagram <clears throat> posts or what have you, do you see yourself getting there on this path and not requiring to go out to your nine to five do you see a path there obviously it's probably a potentially harder path because everything's on your own you're trying to be self-made um do you do you see it as being potential and more rewarding yeah yes 100 yeah. percent already because um i've had every single weekend off this year and last year i didn't i don't think i had a single weekend off okay. um so that I can already answer. I have the flexibility. Like I've played more video games, not necessarily finished, but played more video games this year. So these are things that I can use as reference points. I've played more video games this year than I have in the last three years. Mm -hmm. I've um, well, I've made more money in my first month of reselling than I did on Furry for three years in a row. Um, so to me, that that shows me well clearly. <laughs> there's there's something there. Obviously, I'm not earning anything like I've, I've been, you know, at a nine to five. But then at the same time, I have the flexibility of time. I'm doing all these different things. My mental health is so much better. And um, my YouTube, you know, has grown from when I, October last year, I was at 550 and now I'm at 925. So, you know, that's, it's just over six months. Um, and yeah, so to me, it speaks for itself. 
Um, and the way I look at it, if it took me, I've crunched the numbers from my savings and there's got to be careful what I say without revealing too much, but, um, worst case, you know, there's a certain number of months, which would tally into years that if I had to only live off savings that I could, mm-hmm. um, yeah. obviously I don't want to do that because, you know, the idea is the savings are there that all my hard work for the last seven years. Um, but it is there. And if I took the risk, I could do that. And if I end up earning just as much as I am after that period, um, then it's happy days because I'm happy. I'm smiling. I'm just, you know, I have that luxury of time. And I, you know, I remember once again, nothing against my work. It was just the situations we're in my responsibility as a manager, um, you know, having to prep for meetings on the weekend, getting ready for the Monday morning. And, you know, I would hang out with Carla, my girlfriend on Saturdays, but couldn't do Sunday because I have to be back by 2 p.m. because I have a meeting, but I have to prep before the meeting um, and then would have a call at 9 p.m. at night. So then we have the meeting with the client at 9 a.m. on the Monday morning. Um, and some of that is my own doing because of the type of person I am. I like to deliver high high quality. I want to be on top of things. I don't want to be rocking up and looking slack. Plus the people I was working with, um, quite senior people um, from a client side and, and internally. So, you know, I was probably working above my pay grade in that sense. And once again, working, trying to be promoted and things like that, you know, we're motivated and, and we we have a different drive. But um, once again, nothing against all that, but I know that it's not good for me. And um, looking at what I'm doing now, I'm like, yeah, hundred percent. This is, <laughs> I'm smiling. So I'm, I'm, it's, yeah, I, I see the hundred percent potential in this. Farah, you're so inspirational. It's so good, and you're so young. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm the same age. I'm the same. Wait. I'm the same age as you guys. Oh wait, what? I thought you were. Well, younger. I assume so. Wait, we, what, we should we should play playing? a guessing we should oh, play a no, guessing game right now. Yeah, we have to do it. But okay, so you you guys have to guess first, please, because right. then that will put some perspective. Well, Sarah, like... you have to because you said it. Yeah, I thought you were like 26. <laughs> No, I'm older than 26. Oh, 28? I was going to say 31. I'm 29. Oh. I, I turned 30 this year. Oh, congratulations. We're way older than you. We're, yeah. like, we're like a whole dog life in almost. In, no. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're how old are you? 33, 34 30, this year? 33, yeah. Yeah, 33. Yeah. And you, sir? Yeah, 33. We're both born in the same okay. year. Okay. Well, I, I thought you were literally like 29, 30. Uh, I didn't realize. I Not that you're old, but. <gasps> yeah. Wow, there I you go. We, I wish we were doing the side hustles four years ago. We had a couple of random endeavors, the podcast and Star Trek podcast. Yeah, you yeah, did. Like we've, yeah, well, we've always had something on the side. It's yeah. only because you've gone reselling full-time. It's no longer a side thing. So now the social media and doing thing, yeah. videos is like a side thing now, which is cool. Yeah. Let's, let's say that you just maintain um, your trajectory in terms of you get to a $100,000 revenue. How how else do you see the other aspects of your sort of social media and other stuff going? Like, where do you want to see the YouTube and the podcast in a year or two from now? Yeah, so look, um, putting it all on the table, obviously I want to be monetized on YouTube. I see that being as a way to grow and there's elements there that I'm working on to to test out to see how there could be potential because I don't want to just monetize, well, sorry, you know, we, we can become monetized with watch time, but then is there anything else I can offer on top of that, you know, whether it's a membership or something, but that I'm still figuring out, but that's definitely something I want to be able to do and, and give, you know, a certain smaller community of people some extra value, but I haven't figured out that entirely. Um, and then, you know, from but from YouTube, 100% honestly, so I haven't made money from YouTube, but in some sense I have because, you know, I've been given free items, you know, the shoes that I've done reviews on um, back when races were open. You know, I used to film some of those races for the for the race directors and I was paid free entry for that for me and my girlfriend. So it's actually been quite rewarding in that sense. Um, but it's not like I'm walking around saying, you know, I've, I've made, you know, 10 grand from YouTube or something. Um, but I see it in the long run that that would be obviously a byproduct of me documenting and sharing. And that's kind of a reward from doing it. Um, but yeah, so definitely from the reselling and, and from further your lifestyle, I, I intend to double down, grow, um, add on things that will enable additional revenue streams, because, you know, if, if I want to grow and my bigger goals and dreams and lifestyle, um, 
well then yeah i need i need to because <laughs> there's i am living at home still you know uh, yeah i do have um two rental properties but you know if i want to get my own place you know have my own place with carla all that jazz then yeah i could probably rent and whatnot but i want to not rent i want to have my own place and that i can call my own so if i want to do that it means i have to be able to have you know enough savings but also evidence that i can provide you know to the bank and and pay off a mortgage um, I don't think I'm in any position to be able to buy a house outright yet. But at the same time, I'm also investing a lot of things into shares as well. So not just trying to put everything in one one bucket, but I also know that those things don't happen overnight. Yeah, yeah we're very similar. We're trying to, yeah, we, you know, got a couple of stocks like doing the yeah. NFTs. It's just, it just seems like, it out. Yeah. It's, it's just the, again, it's just like the financial freedom. It's trying to somehow in your own way accumulate multiple sources of income revenue yeah um i think this the classic fire thing is to yeah. generate seven seven streams of income and that's what we're trying to do and there's no shame in you know, trying to hide it or anything or saying you want to get monetized or run memberships a lot of people hate on people on youtube for not asking not asking for money but putting out services that are a benefit to people and if people are willing to put money down in support of that there's nothing wrong with that um mm. realistically we probably most of us before we even get to that monetization point lose a lot of money i know we yeah. probably based on giveaways and stuff we've yeah. probably lost a thousand dollars on youtube making t-shirts giving you pokemon boxes paying for subscriptions <laughs> um so it's it's just about growing and building the that social status amongst your following for them to embrace you um but there's always going to be haters that hate on people for trying to yeah think outside the box and other get other streams of income but it's none of us are going to be millionaires anytime soon or really probably ever no. but it's just about slowly building building out your following your calling and then if someone's willing to pay five dollars for a furry shirt in a couple of years then mm. that's what you've built towards you know but yeah it's well, like you said yeah. you start jumping into it at the beginning without building that that's where a lot of people have their downfall, I think. Yeah, and, and to that, it, it's a fine balance, right? Because obviously yeah, success isn't going to come overnight. But, you know, the other thing, you know, I've had multiple businesses in the past as well, which have flopped or, you know, I was didn't know it well enough. So, like, I had a business called Sockify, which was basically subscription socks. And this was, this was back in, good grief, this is, oh, 2017. Um maybe yeah around 2017 and there wasn't any other subscription stocks at the time so i started this with a, a mate from uni at the time and we were we were we had about i think we peaked at uh maybe 15 16 customers and we were doing about 297 dollars a month selling subscription socks and the way we did it was well originally you think you know taking on the model of um oh, what, what are the guys called that sell the razors um oh, what are they called oh. Um, I know what you're talking about. You know the one, right? And they did that really big campaign. Um, <clears throat> oh, my gosh. I still use them. I, I can't even remember what they are. But, yeah, subscription raises, basically. Yeah. Uh, sorry, guys. I've destroyed your name. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so following that same model, we're like, well, we'll get, we'll get the socks cheap. But, you know, we didn't have money to go buy, you know, 100,000 socks from, you know, another country. Dollar Shave Club? Yeah, that's the one. Dollar Shave Club. There you go. Sarah, Sarah so, saved you. So what we decided to do was like, well, what's the quickest way to get socks out to people? Well, <clears throat> go to Kmart. You can get uh, four pairs of socks for $2, white crew socks. And then we would air compress them into um, envelopes and send them as letters in the mail. Um, <laughs> and we would, because we wanted to make sure that they were cheap, still quality, um, and we made money from it. So we were doing subscription socks at like, you know, $12 or $15 at the time. So it was you know, it's a bit different now, but they were getting like, you know, three pairs of socks for like $12 or $15 delivered to their door. Um, and then postage started to become an issue because they started to not like what we were doing. Um, so we were getting a few issues there. And then they changed the pricing as well. Right? This was one of the first price peaks. It went from like I think it was when it was only $7 and now it's $9, but um, we're like, we can't do that. Right. And the time we were trying to put into it, obviously we were doing it for just trying to make some money. We probably could have actually made it work to be honest, because there's now like four or five strong competitors doing it um, at scale. So we had another business, which was Mr. Mum's cleaning. 
which was actually a, a business we we started in uni as part of our entrepreneur course, and we actually we won that in the group, um, in the in the class. And the idea was that yeah, we would basically take people's washing and clean it and then deliver it back. So yeah, you know, just want to outsourcing uh, people's washing and. You know, we, we had all the numbers, we ran all the stuff and we were serious about doing it and we were going to start it like literally hands-on and we realised we're not going to have the time for this unless we go all in and that's when we actually pivoted and went to Soccerify instead um, because we had done all the legwork in our, you know, in our project for the, for the, um, for the class but we just hadn't actually done it. But we realised no way we're going to have the time to do this and try and, you know, do our full-time jobs and, and things like that. So... We weren't willing to risk it at the time. Pivoted to Sockify. That flopped after a year and a half. Um, we, I, I purchased, I bought my partner out, um, signed it up to me. I kept doing it as long as possible. Didn't have the energy for it uh, just because I didn't see where it was going. And then ended up selling the uh, the name of it for about 150 bucks to some guy in the US. He wanted the Twitter name. So I was like, sure. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and I've done a few other little things on the side and, and tried them out. But I've always been trying to grow something as early as possible. Um, like I used to sell Yu-Gi-Oh cards on, on eBay when I was 12, like, you know, on my parents' eBay account. I remember buying them off my friends for 20 bucks and selling for $160, like four cards. Um, and they were the original 1995 ones, which now they're worth just mega dollars, which is <laughs> depressing. Um, but, you know, back then I felt like I was a millionaire, right? Because I was making the dollars. Um and, you know, I've done a few little things like that with Lego and, and stuff like that. So I've always been trying to create the dream life or create something, but nothing is necessarily stuck, which yeah. is when I reflected on that and I realized, you know, coming back to, you know, me seeing the potential in this is like, well, I need to put in the same amount of effort that I'm putting into working for someone else to see what will stick, what will fly. And I've got other ideas, like other things that I want to add and do but I can't do them because I don't have the time because I'm all in on this. So I need to get these into a position where they're somewhat making some income and they're comfortable that they can run themselves or whatever. And then I can jump to the next thing. Like I've got a whiteboard of things that I want to do, another business, other ideas, series, things, but you know, you can't be doing everything at the same time and knowing when to execute. But then the struggle is that I'm like, this idea could be perfect but you really got to weigh up and, and take the risk. It is, it's risk versus reward, right? I could stop doing these things, try that, and maybe it works out even better. But at, that's not really, I don't want to do it for the money. I want to make sure I'm pulling back to what my goal is, which is I want to build the podcast. I want to see where that goes. And that's always what I've wanted to do because uh, I love seeing what other people are doing. And I think that's my number one focus uh, with everything else along the side to to make sure I can do that. Yeah, I think the overall consensus of chris's story is just to do what you love like do things that you like don't be afraid to try different things and mm. you're never going to fall in place on your sort of final destination on stop one it all starts from the ground up literally start selling socks from the ground up yeah that's how you, that's how you get there so. but like the whole thing is like if you realize it's not working for you anymore like originally when it was it's like change pivot try mm. something else just keep trying and move forward move like forward. it's so cool yeah yeah Awesome. Well, thank you, Chris, so much for coming on as our first guest on the I Look Mom Hustling podcast. I'm honored. So much. Thank you. All right. Do you uh, wanna... thank, thank you. <laughs> thank you for coming on. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you, what you have planned in the next upcoming months? Uh, you have a <clears throat> marathon. Oh, is it a triathlon coming up? Ultra marathon. Ultra marathon. Even crazier. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So you can find me, you know, CL Furlong underscore CL Furlong underscore on Instagram. Otherwise, my YouTube is CL Furlong. Um, and yeah, that, that's for my personal stuff behind the scenes of everything that I'm doing. Um, you know, I do week, I mean, monthly live streams sharing all these goals, updates that we've been discussing. But otherwise, you'll find um, at least two videos on reselling a week and one video on, on the running journey, which one of those goals is the ultra marathon at 50k for this year, um, which is on September the 11th. So training for that, I'm on week three. So a video of that will be coming out each week. Um, and then the podcast is the other main area of what I'm doing. Uh, so that comes out weekly episodes, Sunday, 9am uh, for the lifestyle.com. You can go check it out. It's on Spotify, YouTube, um, and Apple Podcasts and all those good places. 
um, yeah, weekly episodes. This this week, um, well, by the time this comes out, so when people are listening, the last last episode will have been with Kevin Exconde, a creator from uh, Canada, um, talking about create more um, and you know building something for yourself in in the world of YouTube and um, filmography and videography. So really exciting to do to have that and. Yeah, I mean, he's a really good friend, so awesome stuff on that one. Um, but, yeah, that's that's kind of what's coming up. Awesome. awesome. And, yeah, everyone should go and check out Chris's podcast. We'll leave all the links uh, in the description of the YouTube video and in all the podcast show notes as well. But really diverse range of guests he has on there. It's sort of mm-hmm. something that we want to replicate and have different people um, expressing their own interests and passions and the hustles and stuff. But, yeah, you're not going to just get – uh, a one-trick pony in terms of the guests on Chris's channel. You're going to get a wide, wide range of everyone. And he's also almost at a 1,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel. I'm sure we can get 20 or 30 over there at the very least because we did give him, or he did earn, he earned it with, with quiz questions, <laughs> yeah. uh, a Pokemon ETB that he's dying to open and we That's need him to open it sooner rather than later. So we need you guys to go on there and sub to his youtube channel as well yeah and definitely um his instagram too great yeah. great shares great posts great updates the thing Absolutely i love, love it. the yeah. most about his instagram and i don't think anyone gives you enough credit the photos are actually crazy i don't know if you edit them or you just use it on, on, use it on your phone <laughs> the quality and the colors like yeah. i'm not even joking they like look they like pop. they're on a dslr mm. like it's crazy so that's the beauty of a iphone 11 and lightroom <laughs> nice we know that feeling. Yeah, no, they're actually they're crazy. Just the color, even like when you do your, your nacho, your weekly nacho pose, I'm like, oh, the colors on them nachos look real nice. <laughs> oh, All thank right, you. We'll wrap thank it up. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we'll leave all the notes in the description and stuff. And once again, thank you, Chris, for being our first guest. Yeah. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Look Mama Hustling Podcast. Until next time. See, see ya. ya. Bye.